Hello, and welcome to the Reorient Podcast, the show about international issues and international people with an Asian twist. My name is Jesse Friedlander. Today is June 4th, 2021, and I am pleased to have a guest from India, I believe outside Bangalore, he'll tell us uh, his location, uh, Dave Roy. Uh, Dave, welcome to Reorient. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you for having me on, uh, on, your, on your show. So, uh, Dave, you have uh, quite an amazing resume going from banking to a number of very successful startups, including Exits um, and, uh, and beyond. Uh, so we definitely want to hear about that. But before we start, I'd like to ask you just to describe to our listeners a little bit about your personal journey, uh, where you grew up, how you grew up, and and uh, and what you know maybe motivated you to be a banker and then to uh, to exit uh, that industry at probably a very opportune time. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. Um, yeah, so uh, my my journey is is a is very a typical middle class Indian uh, family that. Uh, that grew up in in one of the um, bigger cities of, of the country. Right? Um, the the main driver for that was aspirational. It was always aspirational. If you want to put that as probably one of the main drivers, we were always driven to be aspirational about where we want to, what we need to do, where we have to get to. Uh, growing up in Bangalore, I was lucky that my uh, like most Indian parents or middle class Indian parents, basically the decision was always give the kids the best education and then that that is the uh, that is the platform for them to uh, to go on to bigger better things uh, went to good schools in Bangalore uh, some of the uh, traditional convent schools as you would call them schools that were set up by missionaries back in the day and I basically um, I was an average student I can't even say I was a great student after that I went to um, engineering college. So I'll, I'll just give you a, a small anecdote about my my time as a in engineering college. Um, so, and this leads into how how I guess in being an entrepreneur. So, one of the things that I did when I was in engineering college was um, I used to uh, soup up motorcycles. I used to basically take uh, buy old motorcycles, soup them up, and sell them for a profit. Right. So that was my that was a that was my side gig. Uh, while I was in engineering college to to make some money uh, to uh, to do things. And anyway, so I graduated from engineering college. I actually didn't have a desire necessarily to go to the United States at that point. Yeah, just it- to, um, sorry to interrupt, but just so people might be curious, you, you attended college in India, I believe, at, at Bangalore University. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah I, I, I am. Uh, so I, I was actually... So, I was, I'm actually an electronics and, and communications engineer. That's by by, by trade. I'm a I'm an electronics and communications engineer. But I had a great passion for, as I said, for motorcycles and things physical. You know, so I used to um, used to work work with them. Uh, after graduating, I worked. I, I got a job in in Bangalore with uh, with uh, Dell Dell Computing. Uh, I don't know if you all. Remember back in the day, it was quite a powerhouse. Absolutely, uh, yes. And um, and yeah, so that was uh, that was what what got me off in this on this journey. So my my first job, uh, the first job that I got in the United States was actually a, is uh, was was actually an interesting one. I didn't do go the traditional path of 
people going to the United States to study and then getting uh, getting a job out there. I actually got a job directly from India. And mm. um, the story goes, was this, it was, I, at that point, there was this language, and I think it's, it's still quite popular, Java, that was out there. And I just, I downloaded it. We, we were one of the few, few um, companies that had a internet connection. And it was like a 32 Byte connect. I mean, it was like literally. I mean, it was. Li- I mean, it was one of those. It was dial-up, a dial-up connection. Dial-up one. Yeah, it was a dial-up yeah. connection. You know, and we shared mm-hmm. it with like five different departments, and most of it was basically you had a terminal out there that you worked on, and uh, it was, it was, it was, I mean, it was very, very rudimentary in uh, in its in its nature, and um, the the main thing that we did was um, uh, the main thing that. Uh, that, that, that I worked for me was that I, I started working on this thing called Java and, and it was not even a full release. It was something new out there. And at that same point, there was this company called Monster. And I think, you know, uh, Monster was, uh, was mm-hmm. this, uh, one of the first things I put my resume up on Monster just for, for a laugh. And sure enough, within, within three weeks, I had two job offers or three job offers. I can't remember, but, but I was, I was ready, uh, ready to go. And I, and, um, a month later, I had my, my visa to go to the United States. And, uh, and my first job was in, um, was actually in this place called the Quad Cities in, uh, in Illinois, which is on the border with Iowa. Uh, qu- quite, a quite a journey to go from India to, uh, the, the, Heart of the Midwest in some ways, right? And uh, yeah, that was. And my... what year is this, Dave? Ninety six. So nineteen ninety six. If you look at nineteen ninety six, yeah, nineteen ninety six. It's um, if you look at uh, that, that was actually also the time where in which um, people of my generation who were born in, uh, who who grew up in that that period was that there was liberalization, so there was an ability for us to leave the country, or we saw, or we we started experiencing what the how the how things could be better in some ways. But at the same time, the country hadn't progressed sufficiently to, to uh, uh, what I would call, help us uh, achieve our aspirations within the, within the ecosystem. So my, if I look at, look at friends of mine, large preponderance of them have left India to go to, to the United States and other parts of the world. Um, very few actually stayed back in my, uh, during my, uh, at least the friends that I grew up with. Right. And that's really what we call the brain drain, right? And yeah. uh, India suffered a very big ba- brain drain uh, for people seeking opportunities uh, where there was much more career advancement uh, overseas, particularly in the West. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was, there's a brain drain in, uh, and, um, and it's unfortunate that it happened at that point because there was this, or the, the uh, ability to grow, uh, or the country was growing so fast. If, if, if the country had managed to retain not all, at least some of that talent. I think we could have um, we could have been in a in a different place, uh, so to speak. But having said that, also I feel that the uh, opportunities and the experiences that that people like myself who left and went to uh, went to other countries held us in good stead. Right? We basically were allowed to fully flower and come to come to our uh, or achieve our aspirations to a large extent. So, um, so uh, you were in the United States in the uh, in the late 1990s working, and um, yeah. uh, I'm sure quite exciting because you were, you know, there's this whole new internet ecosystem and lots of advancements in this uh, area. So, um, maybe tell us a little bit about your time in the United States, and um, and then what eventually brought you back to India. So actually, I, I didn't come back, to, you know, after the United States, I didn't come back to India. Actually, I went to the UK. I, went, I was for 
I spent spent time in the United States and then went to the UK. So actually, um, so so when I when I talked about um, going to to Iowa, one of the things that I didn't mention earlier was that my father was an entrepreneur, and um, so he's an entrepreneur that returned back to India from the United Kingdom. He, he was in the United Kingdom. He worked in the United Kingdom, and uh, he came back to be uh, an entrepreneur in India. This is back in the 70s. Uh, he started, he became an entrepreneur in the 80s. For 10 years, he worked for a company, and then he became an entrepreneur in the 80s. And um, it, was, it was, I'll just give a little bit of a backstory on that. It was, it was a tough, it's a tough journey being an entrepreneur in India in the 80s, 70s and 80s, because um, I remember for, for um, one of the things that he, um, that he did was take a loan from uh, Industrial Development Bank of India, IDBI. And it was, it was set up with the, with the primary purpose of, of fostering entrepreneurship and small-scale industries and medium-scale industries in India. And I remember vividly, the interest rate on those loans was 19%, right? So, I mean, it, it's difficult to, if you have an onerous, if you have a burden of 19%. So, so it was, I mean, that was, and he failed. He failed as an entrepreneur. And one of the big things that are motivators for me in that process was that, because uh, I was helping him, I, I, was, I was 18, 19 years old. I was helping him run his business as much as I could. After, after engineering college, I would go to, uh, to, the, uh, to the factory to kind of um, uh, try to help as much as I could out there. Not, not very useful, but, but at least I tried. Um, was that I said that I, I don't have it in me to be um, an entrepreneur. I, 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 I don't have it in my, whatever you would want to say, blood or my stock doesn't tell me that I'm, I'm, I have it in me to be an entrepreneur. I need to get an education for it, right? And um, so in 1998, I got into the University of Chicago. And, and I got into the University of Chicago. I, um, I went, I was at that point working for uh, Bank of America. I had a great boss, uh, an Irishman, uh, Nesson Fitzmaurice. He basically, um, I, and I, I used to, I used to work on the desk for him, and uh, I used to run his risk reports. And you know, it was, I was, I was, a, I was an IT person sitting on the desk working with him, you know, supporting him. And you know, it just, it's, as if anybody who's worked on a on a trading desk knows, if you get your risk report wrong in the morning, the first thing in the morning, probably your whole week is done for, right? Because it takes a week to unwind all the mistakes you make during the day, right? So. And and he he loved me because I I, I got I understood what needed to be done and I got it right for him etc. So, in 1990 I got into University of Chicago. At that point also I, there was this whole exodus of people with talent going down going into the valley and uh, and starting the next pet dot com. You know I mean that was uh, that was mm-hmm. the uh, the main um, what I would call. Um, Exodus, right? The exodus was from the from the other parts of the country, out in the United States, to 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 the Silicon Valley. I went to Nesson. I said, Nesson, I'm going to business school. I need to go to business school. And he came back to me with this simple thing. He said, Dave, I can't let you go. So at that point, I uh, I stepped back and I said, Listen, Nesson, I want to go. He said, Okay, let me see how we can make this work. And the way we made it work was actually I I worked full time, while at the same time I um. I, I was um, I was going to school. It was great because I got a full salary in one hand, but but again, it meant that I had to work eighty hours a week, where which forty hours was school, forty hours was for um, um, what do you call the um, uh, was work work in general, right? And um, so yeah, that 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 happened. I went to business school. I finished it in two years. In two thousand, I I graduated. Two thousand two thousand one, I graduated, and. Um, 
At that point, I wanted to take a sabbatical. This was this was one ranch. I said, you know what? Everybody takes a sabbatical. You know, if you do some traveling and this that, I had planned this beautiful trip to go across um, the whole of Africa, and I had started. I said, I, and this is, and I and I regret having not done it actually in hindsight because mm-hmm. today, possibly, I can't do it, or most people can't do it. Is to start from all the way from Morocco and end up in Namibia. You know, so I I decided that was my my calling for for a year, but then Enron happened. If you remember Enron and Indeed, uh, yes, yeah, and uh, in the WorldCom Enron, you know, we had all these uh, catastrophic uh, bankruptcies in the United States that, and we went into this massive recession. That I, um, I, I went back to Nesson and I said, "Listen, Nesson, there's this this thing called credit derivatives in uh, in the New York desk. Can I can I interview with them?" And he said, "Sure. What do you want me to do?" And uh, I said, "Can you speak to the MD out there?" He did. I got a job. And uh, yeah, from there, I, I worked for, uh, on Wall Street for about a couple of years. Then I went to London. I worked um, for a very large British bank out there. I ran credit derivatives for the whole of Europe. And uh, 2008, just before the crash, I saw it coming. And I remember, have, I remember this, this, this conversation I was having with a friend of mine, and I told him, I said, and at that point, AIG was the big, um, we, we all saw AIG. And I said, you know what? I think this will be done when AIG um, loses $50 billion. And uh, he said, uh, Sorry, what? when you say done, what do you mean by done? I said that, that this, this whole, um, what I would call this whole, the, the whole scare in the market, or I would say that we bottomed out. We basically okay. got to the extent of the losses, right? When when AIG had hit, when when AIG recognizes they've lost fifty billion dollars, I said we were uh, we would be uh, we would be uh, we would be close to the end because at that point, you know, it's kind of worked its way through the system. The the system has come, kind of absorbed the shock. I made a mistake because I extrapolated from the trades that I had done with AIG and expect and and I had an expectation of what their positions were. And it was like five times larger than that, or six times larger than that, right? So, so it was it was orders of magnitude larger. But having said that, at that point, I I also realized that um, my calling as an entrepreneur had come because the uh, the thing about banking, as as you know, is uh, it has great golden handcuffs, mm-hmm. and uh, and if you basically uh, you worked every every year from bonus to bonus. You were you always you always got your bonus in February or March, and by that time you said I've walked, walked worked already a quarter of the the next year. Why walk away? So you know the whole how, you know how that went. So um, mm. at that point I um, I said you know what my my opportunity cost is the lowest it has been uh, in my career since I've been a graduate. Right? If I'm going to walk away from this, it has to be now. And at that mm. point, I took the plunge and I walked away from banking. In 2009? That's correct. Yeah, 2008, 2009 is when I returned to India. But 2008, I walked away from mm. banking. 2009, mm. I returned back to India. Mm. Well, that was great timing because the uh, banking industry has sort of more or less been on a, uh, a downward uh, spiral since then. I mean, at least for people working in the industry, the banks have you know, readjusted, but uh, it's become a much more challenging industry and one where there's, you know, you could arguably say less opportunities for uh, people to, to work in the bank. So that was a great move. Now, in 2009, India um, 
was, uh, I mean, what was happening? It wasn't sort of a big, major global story. Uh, obviously, you, you're from India, you had family there, but uh, what was the, what were the sort of the themes or the trends that you saw when you uh, returned to India? And what were your plans? Yeah, so actually, it was, it's a lot simpler. I, I mean, at that point, if you remember, there was uh, Goldman Sachs had coined the word uh, BRICS. If you remember the, uh, I do. That was a an a very profitable acronym. Yeah. They, uh, created. Yeah. So, um, so if you just for our listeners, uh, BRICS is uh, Brazil, Russia, India, and China. And um, someone from Goldman Sachs had the uh, novel idea to group these countries together because they are all very large emerging countries, and if you add them up to get together, there was a huge GDP and huge growth potential. And so, um, and so it became quite a, you know, a popular theme, although I, I know some, some investors thought it was not a, um, not a really uh, sort of concrete idea or one that had a lot of investment potential. So they coined it a bloody ridiculous investment concept. But in any case, yes, BRICS yeah. was, was yes. the theme at that time. Yeah, that was the theme. And um so I looked looked around and I said, Brazil, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I, I don't know Portuguese, right? It's, I, I can't. It's not something that I can benefit from. Uh, uh, Russia, a difficult country, at least. I mean, at least from what my experiences working in the uh, in the in the market out there, it was mm-hmm. a difficult country to uh, to work with. China, China again, language is an issue, right? Again, I, I and again, it's it's a relatively closed system compared to uh, the. Um, the Indian environment, which I had grown up in, I had some access to, at least to a to a certain extent, that I felt that I could uh, could benefit from. So, so I returned back to India, began hoping to uh, take advantage of uh, the um, the networks that I had in the country and 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 things of that. Um, I returned back to India with three broad investment theses, and and I said that the three theses again. Were, were again a function of my experiences as a as a as a credit trader, right? When which I said cash flows are important. Um, you look at you look at uh, uh, my my thesis was that you look at areas where in which you have recurring cash flows. You you're not. Uh, I I didn't buy into this uh, into the um, the general tech game of you know losses are king, right? I'm I, I was I was still more traditional in my my views, and. Um, so the three three theses that I had was one was uh, bottom of the pyramid, uh, yes. where in which um, uh, providing services which to a to a, a very large section of the population in India that were underserved. The second thesis was healthcare, but again not in pri- not in primary healthcare, but ancillary healthcare, where in which um, uh, you don't need to you don't have the the extremely high costs of uh, of uh, capital outlay with uh, with the uh, uh, in 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 there that 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 usually hospitals and the like uh, require, and and the third was education, but again ancillary in education, not primary, because mm-hmm. again schools in India are are structured in a way that they're non-profit and you couldn't do that. All three, if you can, look, if you look at all three, there there's there's a there's a there's a clear demand requirement out there. There's no there was never there's no doubt about that. But more importantly, there's there are other um, what I would call Socioeconomic factors that are driving this, uh, this the the upward um, desire of people to access more and more of these uh, of these services, right? So, 
so these were the three things that I returned back to India. I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything. And all I, I decided I was going to come back here and, uh, and figure it out. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this portion of the podcast. To access the entire podcast and more high-quality analysis on Asia, please visit our website, reorientpodcast.com. That's one word, all lower caps, reorientpodcast.com.